and we are back with another edition of the Daily Dots. Actually, we are not back. I shouldn't even say this right now. Probably 85% of you are going to turn it off. <laughs> Please don't do that. Uh, I am flying solo today. My man, the brain trust himself, Chase Taylor, is out. Uh, he's, you know what, I'm going to put him on blast. He's doing daughter duty today. Uh, and being the magnanimous boss that I am, I allow it. So... <laughs> Anyway, he had a bunch of family stuff that he had to get done before the holiday and all that. So I told him that I could manage flying solo today. So anyway, um, not a whole lot happened today, but some things that I think are interesting. Um, so first of all, get to the indexes. Um, pretty much flat. S&P down 0.2%, 9.19 points. Uh, Dow down 62 points, 0.18% down. NASDAQ down 0.59% or 84 points. Russell 2000 got slammed because everybody hates small caps. Um, rates were down a little bit. We got the 10-year down to 4.41. That interesting trend that we're talking about continues. Um, and and we'll, we'll get to a couple of the earnings reports that came out today, but Remember, for so long, if you even saw the long end of the curve, a 10-year treasury, a 20-year, or just using TLT as a proxy, if TLT was green, stocks were going to rip. That is not the case. And to me, it looks like, now you're not going to hear this on the media still, but it looks like to me the market is starting to sniff out some economic weakness. And even though market participants and market, um, you know, soothsayers or talkers or whatever are still going to be preaching, uh, you know, new bull market and all that nonsense. Um, it looks to me like, you know, the, these are moves that if you, if you were going into an economic deceleration, these are things that you'd expect to see, um, especially with the action in the Russell. Now the Russell is still getting slammed harder than anybody else. To me, it makes sense when you look at the debt loads of Russell companies, then you look at, you know, the Russell index in and of itself is pretty wonky. I, it's just as wonky as the S and P after this 15 year run, meaning, um, it's not just as wonky. The S and P makes sense to a certain degree because the companies at the top of it by and large, or at least five of the seven, six of the seven, something like that. They are unbelievable companies, right? To be fair, they are. Um, the Russell is not the case. The other thing is you've got a ton of companies in the Russell that need access to corporate bond markets to basically stay solvent. So if you're looking at a scenario where you've got high rates, which makes it extraordinarily penal, if not, you know, if not even an option to roll their debt and a weakening economy at the same time, these are the things that you'd expect to start seeing. Um, now all of that said, I still would not tell you that means to go short here, but against, I, you know, I got to see proof that this market actually cares about fundamentals. Um, and it doesn't at this point still, uh, another big one today, NVIDIA out with, uh, quarterly results, um, headlines, NVIDIA crushes wall street estimates again. Okay. Let me let you in on a cue here. If you're a smart company, which I think NVIDIA clearly is. 
you you feed the street info to give yourself estimates that you know you can crush. So I, I don't think the results are surprising. They are mind-blowing, though, when you look at it. I mean, quarter over quarter, uh, revenues, you know, year over year, quarter to quarter, revenues are up 206%. So, I mean, it is impressive. Like we said, they're an impressive company. They are going to see a big ramp. But they were even in their conference call talking about they expect this blowout, say, you know, this is like that beginning of the gold rush type thing. They even said that they ex- they expected sales based on where they're currently selling these chips, right? They expect those sales to slow down dramatically by Q4 2024, um, which makes sense, right? You're not going to get the same ramp. Um, but more importantly, quote unquote, the headline book crush estimates, stock was down like 1%. And I think that's fair. Um, just you can't run it out there that right. They, I mean, you're so you're talking about a mega cap company. Even after those revenues they've reported the last couple quarters, even if you annualize it out, you're still looking at 25 times revenue or something like that. And again, right? You, this is not an, and I think it's important that we understand that this is like that rushing beginning phase. This is not a new trend. Now, I think by and large, chip sales, especially AI chip sales, are going to continue to grow over time, but not like, you know what I mean? Not like this. This is a this is a land grab right now in the world of AI. If you want to do anything in the world of AI, you basically need that chip because for right now, it's the only game in town. The other thing that you're starting to see is you're starting to see increased talk of competition that we've been warning you. And and this is the problem when valuations get that stretched, it, it just... It, it's not that they're not an excellent company. It's not that they're not going to make tons of money, but everything has a price, right? And that number gets too big. It's just like a stock in a company with a target on its back. And it's just, you start, you, you build the bar up so high that basically you're paying for results that should be five to 10 years out. And there's just a lot of bad things that can happen between there. And when you're priced to that premium, you know, overwhelmingly, the chances are that you're going to you're going to get taken for a ride, if not have an extended period of time of negative to zero returns. And when you look at something that expensive, you know, I, I, I would think negative returns for some period of time. And again, a great company, not dogging them. Just everything has a price, right? Every day, the trees don't grow to the sky. It's, it's very important to remember in times like these. Um, other thing. Um, disappointing retail sales. I don't want to get too into the specifics because Chase is so much, he, he, he is, you know, ripping this stuff out. But the one that I was paying attention and the reason I'm paying attention to it is because it's almost like so many, the vast majority of these companies are reading off the same script. Lowe's came out today and same store sales. Now, when you hear him say same store sales, that really is the metric that mattered because the headline number could be like revenues increased by 7%. And you're like, well, they opened up 200 new stores, right? So what you really got to go do to, to really see how a business is going is you need to look at, at same store sales. So what that means is look at stores that were available in this same quarter a year ago and compare those numbers. And when you look at same store sales, it's down pretty sharply especially if we're quote unquote, not in a recession, 7.8% pullback. Now it's not, again, not devastating, but this is why I have such a hard time with this liftoff, no landing narrative. Again, you just look at the data. 
nothing is just cascading off a cliff, right? We're not on the edge of a black hole. But <clears throat> everything is migrating back to the trend line that we were on pre-COVID, which makes sense. Now, it's probably going to be a little higher, right? Because, you know, you're four years down the three, three years down the road. And you did pass out a lot of money and things like that. But I'm saying if you draw kind of the trend line for the economy and all that kind of stuff, you know, for the last 15 years is pretty consistent trend line, you know, all that kind of, and you, you just ballooned off of it. And now you're kind of coming back down. And the problem is, and, and this is the other thing as I context, right? Context is so important. You say recession, everybody goes, you're a perma bear. And you're like, oh my gosh, man, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the end of civilization. What I'm saying is if you come off this sugar high, and I want to repeat this again, right? 2021, 22% consumer spending growth over a two-year period of time, by far and away a record, right? Which was driven by stimulus and 0% rates. Both are gone. So why is it being perma-bearish to say, I think we're going to move back toward the trend line we were on before all that nonsense, right? It's not, but it's still a recession. And it's a recession, not because you're going so low, but because you're coming from so high. And it, it just, I don't know. It's just a really frustrating thing because it just, again, I just see this data coming out and it just looks pretty, it looks pretty clear. You know, you're slowing and you're slowing in a meaningful way. And it doesn't look like everything's about ready to blow up, but it just looks like market participants have these ridiculously unrealistic expectations. And it just seems like we're floating back that way. And like I said, the other thing that's interesting about it is it's not a Lowe's problem. H Home Depot said virtually the exact same thing and had remarkably similar numbers. We're hearing the same kind of stuff from Starbucks. We're hearing the same, no, maybe Starbucks had some bigger, anyway, there's a couple little outliers, but we're hearing the same kind of stuff from different restaurants. We're hearing the same, I mean, literally the same thing. And, and, and what the deal is, is that um, foot traffic is down, but not markedly. So what's down is big ticket items. All right. People are still buying screws and electrical outlets and, you know, a piece of lumber here and there, you know, speaking of Lowe's and Home Depot, but you're not seeing the big splash purchases, which kind of goes to that. Another thing that we thought was just kind of a foregone conclusion was hitting somewhat of a consumer spending air pocket, meaning <laughs> you can't keep spending at that level, right? There's just not enough stuff to buy. You know, like I look at it, you know, for instance, I look at it last year, I, I bought I bought my, my family three quads, three ATVs. Kids were the right age. I grew up with them. Uh, we're not going to buy new ATVs every year. We're going to buy a new car every year. So I just, honestly, I... I'll just be honest, keeping my mind open, you got to keep your head on a swivel always, forever, especially in this environment, in this market, there's so much going on. It just feels really odd to think of the fact that you're predicting a recession and that's like controversial where you're looking at everybody going, did you look at the data? I mean, it just looks like you're slowing down and you're coming from such a high point that if you go back down to the trend line, again, that's a recession. It's, it's you know, not, we're not talking depression here. I just, I, it's just hard for me to get my head around the whole soft landing, no landing nonsense. Um, and I think this pullback on the long end, it hasn't been too dramatic yet. You topped out right at five. You're still at 4.41. That's a pretty good pullback in a pretty short period of time. Um, dollar continues to get hit, which 
I, I think it's too early to try to determine what that means, if anything at all, or what it signals. Um, you know, I think most people would say that it signals that believing that the Fed's going to have to cut rates. Uh, you know, I think you have to wait and see. I think you, I, I will be surprised if you don't see another, an, another run higher on the DXY, the dollar index, uh, you know, before or during the process of, of the recession becoming recognized if, if it in does, if it indeed does take place. Um, but, th- but that's totally speculation on my part. I, I, you know, I, I would expect the dollar index to be lower 10 years from now than it is. Um, but the currency world right now is a very tough world in a fiat world where central banks are effectively unconstrained playing the currency side of it is very tough. And I, I don't think you can rule anything out. I got a bet going with a guy on Twitter. We made geez, probably eight or nine months ago where his bet was that the dollar index would hit 95 before it hit 110. And I think at this point, the dollar index was right around a hundred. Um, so far, neither of us have gotten real close. He got to, he got about five bucks away. He was, or excuse me. Yeah. He was about five points away. Uh, cause he was betting it was going to hit 95. I, I, I'm pretty sure we stopped out in high 99s, low one hundreds, and then rebounded to one Oh seven. So I got up to one Oh seven. I was just three away from my mark. He was five, but I, I, again, and I even said at the time, I'll take the bet. Cause I think it sounds interesting and we bet a thousand dollars going to charity. So I, you know, either way we win. Um, but even at the time I said, look, I got no conviction about this. I, I don't really, you know, I'm, I mean, I think situations in the Middle East or Ukraine and Russia could potentially shoot the dollar higher. I think a surge in oil could shoot the dollar higher outside of that. I just think it's really, really hard to predict. Um, but like I said, I, I, for me, I think the number one thing that we want to be focused on is, you know, it's, it's, it's the retail sales number and watching the health of the consumer. I think that's going to be paramount going forward. So that's about it guys. Not a lot of other things happened. Um, just retail sales continue to weaken. So that will be it for the dots. We're not going to do a show on Friday. It's going to be a truncated market deal. So we will see you after the Thanksgiving weekend. Have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe to knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.